From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm your host this week, Jennifer Shutt, and joining me to talk about everything appropriations, government shutdown, National Emergencies Act, and border wall is my esteemed colleague, Kelly Madrick. Hey, Jen, how's it going? Great, Kelly. So glad to be here. So this week, we are heading into crunch time for that Homeland Security Appropriations Conference Committee, that bicameral bipartisan group of appropriators who are really trying to work out the final elements of the fiscal 2019 Homeland Security Spending Bill, so that hopefully the seven remaining appropriations bills for this fiscal year, which of course began back on October 1st, can get into law. We can hopefully avoid a partial government shutdown and possibly avoid this legal question if the president were to use the National Emergencies Act to declare a national emergency and try to divert some funding to construction of border barriers. Yeah, and somehow we spent an entire week discussing barriers, fencing, bollard fencing. We even got to what was Normandy fencing. Normandy, yeah, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California said, Normandy fencing, that kind of ha- was a blast from the past. We've been spending hours, maybe days, just debating whether a wall is a fence or a fence is a levy wall or a barrier. And then President Donald Trump really put the kibosh on the whole thing and was like, no, a wall is a wall after all of these gyrations. That he said we could call it peaches. He said we now could we call, it call it peaches. It but now we got to call it a wall. And, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans are just befuddled, quite frankly, about how they're going to kind of do political gymnastics around this because every time the goalposts change. Are we going to try to aesthetically call it a barrier so that nobody gets worried? Or are we just going to call it a wall and make everybody angry and, like, put the flashpoint right at the center? And, And right now... There is nothing to take Congress away from that very basic argument, which is really just a semantic argument. It's almost an argument about a shape, and it has nothing to do with spending money. Right. And so on the schedule for this week, the some of the House members on this conference committee are down on the U.S.-Mexico border. They're meeting with Customs and Border Protection officials. They are you know, trying to get a better sense of what it is that Customs and Border Protection actually needs in fiscal 2019 and really have a broader conversation about border security and homeland security in general for this bill. We've heard that the leaders may bring in some experts from different Customs and Border Protection agencies this week to sort of get a sense of what they really need and then try to go from there. Of course, the big question remains, if this group of lawmakers can come to some type of agreement that is is fine with the four corners of congressional leadership. Will President Donald Trump, for whatever reason, decide he's not okay with it? And then that whole political theater event will have to play out about whether or not, if this is a bipartisan bicameral agreement by the end of the week, they could take votes on it next week, theoretically, even if Trump doesn't like it. And if they do get veto-proof majorities in the House and Senate, out of some type of big conference agreement on Homeland Security and the other bills, that would really be an interesting sort of staring contest to watch. And this is a very process-heavy, to the appropriator's credit, 
um, you know, engagement that they're having with the conference committee, with offers, with counter offers, with real discussion, going really deep into the borders, the the eminent domain, all of these things about fencing needs, various needs from customs, areas in his district and what it's like. Even Representative Kay Granger of Texas, the top Republican on the Appropriations Committee, who's also a conferee, was very encouraged by the fact that there seemed to be this bipartisan agreement that there would be some type of congressional delegation. Again, this national security issue is really kind of injecting itself into the conversation here with the border debate, in part by the insistence of the president. But this is um, this seemed to be something of development, that appropriators are ready to get down to the border and really think about and talk about the necessities that are there when it comes to spending money. But there's this looming threat of the president declaring a national emergency, and it almost seems to stilt the debate. It seems to kind of cut off the debate in a way, or like, um, you know, uh, uh, weaken Congress's ability to really hash out a deal because hanging over all of this is the president's threat. And in, in some cases, it almost feels like a promise to declare in a national emergency and spend the money on his own. And again, this completely goes against the Constitution of the United States. I, I, I you know, I hate to have to go back and quote what it is, but no money shall be drawn from the Treasury but in consequence of appropriations made by law. The president is not really technically allowed to do this under the Constitution, but there are authorization laws in place that have created these exceptions, and I know that we've both been looking at this this morning. Jen, tell me what your thoughts are about this. I think if you really want to get substantial funding for border security, writ large in fiscal 2019, I think he's probably going to have to go with whatever the conference committee comes up with. I really don't think he's going to get $5.7 billion for physical construction from this one single spending bill. And I really think that if he were trying to declare yeah. a national emergency, if he's not happy with what they produce and he threatens to veto it or he just outright declares a national emergency, I don't really think this provides a policy solution for him because the second he does that, the Democrats in the House are most likely going to file a lawsuit. The first thing that any federal court will do is just, you know, sort of put the brakes on them spent redirecting any of this money from military construction or asset forfeiture, Army Corps, wherever he proposes pulling the money from, and then it's going to be in the court. So, And then that leaves a really big hole in the fiscal 2019 process because we could be in a shutdown, he could declare a national emergency, and then does he sign these spending bills into law while waiting for the courts to determine whether or not he has authority under that that 1976 National Emergencies Act to redirect this money. Which would totally neuter all these chances of doing anything serious about border security, right? Because, I mean, on the one hand, it seems to the way that Trump is telegramming his plan about this, that national security 
and the National Emergencies Act, this 1976 law, is somehow some kind of panacea that he can use in the case of not getting what he wants from Congress. But I can't imagine that his advisors aren't telling him that the second he declares a national emergency and tries to reprogram previously appropriated funds from Congress, that it's not going to end up in the courts. And if that happens, he never gets the wall. And in fact, that could then become some kind of constitutional question that many people have have warned, do not do this. Do not say in the case of a national emergency, you're going to move around money unless there's a really good reason. And, you know, I actually went back and looked at Okay, when have presidents used military construction money? That's the pot of money that people are looking at the most right now. And that's because there is a big kitty right there for people to draw upon. $13.3 billion in unobligated money. That's 23% of everything Congress has appropriated. As of the end of fiscal 2018, that's how much is left unspent, unobligated. But if you look at the two presidents that have invoked the national emergency statute to unlock this military construction money. Both of them were President Bush's. Bush one used it for Operation Desert Shield, and that was, of course, a national emergency situation. And um, Bush two, George W. Bush, used it at the aftermath of September 11th attacks. That was one of the most expensive ones, but it was only $1.4 billion. And it was for things like aircraft roads, aircraft hangars, runway, even a waste management complex, some pavement related to moving government vehicles. I mean, that was the kind of stuff that they were using this to pay for. Not a border wall, which is an infrastructure project at the end of the day that will cost operation maintenance, upkeep. It's not some kind of emergency structure that's going to be used and then go away. And so this is one of those areas where if he were to declare a national emergency, he could probably get himself into a bit of legal trouble. Yeah, and it's almost like, is that what he wants? Because he talks about the urgency of needing a border wall. If that's the case, declaring a national emergency could be the most dilatory possible technique to get what he wants that could be on the books. It could end up in the court's years after he's even not president anymore, whenever that is. It could take a decade to decide something like this. It could go all the way to the Supreme Court. Because again, the idea that the president has the ability to spend money without the approval of Congress is a very fundamental constitutional question. Yeah, and one of the the issues that we've heard from both political parties on Capitol Hill is that they're concerned that if somehow he would declare this national emergency and the courts would say it's completely fine, he's well within his jurisdiction, that could open up this sort of Pandora's box, if you will, for future presidents to declare national emergencies for other issues and really sort of seed away some of Congress's authority over spending. And this is something you have to remember, the short-term, mid-term, and long-term implications of when you do something as a president, how is that going to impact your policy agenda going forward? Because he will need the support of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, to get some of these things through the Senate. And while most conservative policy goals are going to align with Senator McConnell's agenda in general, 
alienating someone like McConnell, who potentially does not want to see a president get this much power over Congress's spending, could be problematic for him. And reporters with great imaginations, staffers similarly, um, Republicans, Democrats, on and off the Hill, imagine what could be done if a national emergency was so easy to declare to reprogram funds. I mean, the headlines could write themselves in the future. You could see a Democratic president, for example, declaring a national emergency for the nation's water infrastructure and opening up big amounts of infrastructure grants from the Army Corps, saying that this is a national public health emergency. Or, for example, what about the nation's crumbling schools? Why couldn't a president say there's a national emergency because children's safety is at risk because of asbestos, lead, any number of problems, falling apart infrastructure, and then suddenly we've got you know people just further divided over political issues that have a tangential relationship to the Constitution. It's something nobody wants. And I think this really brings us back to this Homeland Security Appropriations Conference Committee. And there is a lot of hope from congressional leaders, members on the committee, rank and file lawmakers, that they can come to some type of bipartisan bicameral agreement by the end of this week, uh, present it to their leadership, get sign-off from the leadership, and then we'll see a situation where some of these higher ranking Republicans head to the White House to present this to President Trump and really say this is the best we're going to get. We think this is a really good solution, you know, and get him on board with this. And then next week we could be on the House floor and Senate floor with debate, send it to his desk and really sort of get out ahead of this February 15th deadline. But I think that really remains to be seen. And in conversations with some of these lawmakers, we've heard that well, the president has said repeatedly he wants $5.7 billion for a wall. There's an understanding that he's probably not going to get that full amount in fiscal 2019. Once again, that's the fiscal year we're sort of halfway through right now, more or less. And so really trying to figure out what he'll sign and what he'll accept, I think, is a really challenging part of this. As we see these appropriators who have been around this process for a really long time trying to approach homeland security and border security sort of as a look at it all together and determine where the funds really need to be spent, what is actually needed for these these departments and these agencies, and also trying to make sure that that doesn't pull away from the other sections of this Homeland Security spending bill. You've got to remember there's some really big accounts in this one appropriations bills. You've got the Federal Emergency Management Agency. You've got the U.S. Coast Guard. You have TSA. Uh, Customs and Border Protection, and then ICE are all in here. And so if you start, you know, they have a general idea of what they want to do with the $49.1 billion in discretionary they have to spend in this bill um, and, you know, where that's going to go between those departments and agencies. And if you start pulling a wh- several billion from one section of this bill, that has to come from one of the other accounts. And so I think there's a lot of concern amongst conferees and leadership and rank and file members that if you put a whole bunch in the customs and border protection account 
for, you know, buying up this private land potentially through eminent domain, which could be a huge other legal issue mm-hmm. with Texans and private land and the federal government coming in to take that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, sort of the sort of ball of wax that this gets into. I think there's a whole lot of hope there right now that there'll be some type of agreement by Friday, if not Sunday at the latest. It can't be overstated just how important it is that appropriators are back to the negotiating table because after the end of September, it felt like there was just a pall that fell over the committee because they got to Homeland and they just couldn't do anything. There were negotiations on the sidelines about conference bills, but nothing was happening on the floor. Nothing was happening in committee. Then we had a big giant shutdown. And right now, this is the first time that we've been seeing Democrats and Republicans having a real conversation about border security. And I think that they're really making a sincere effort to try to show the American people that they want to do this through regular order. They want to do this the way it's supposed to be done. And I think that that is the basis for a Congress to be able to assert itself if the president's actions are unpredictable. We have not seen that in the past. But if the president were to, you know, reject a consensus agreement, I think it's very, very important that right now Congress is building the relationships and the strength between each other in negotiation that they might be able to override him. They might be able to challenge his opposition. And that is a movement from the past. All right, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much. And thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.